good to be with you. How are we doing, church? All right, I love to hear that. Very interesting gospel reading and the, the New Testament, Old Testament readings today. I'd like to focus on the second reading, most of all, but a little bit of background to it to really to begin to understand it. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense. Um, Got to remember that when Paul was writing this, the church was brand new. They didn't have 2,000 years of tradition. They didn't have uh, missiles and things like that that they could go to and tell you this is how it's to be done. It was, it was just starting out. I mean, that's the way it was. They had the Holy Spirit. That's the most important thing. But there were many questions that cropped up, and Paul was considered to be a scholar. He was a godly man. He was a highly intellectual man. And the people knew that God had his hand upon him because of his conversion experience. So he was frequently uh, in, you know, asked about what it is that they need, what is it that they need to do. For example, the first big question the church had to deal with was, uh, can Gentiles be saved through Jesus? That was the first question. And we don't think about that today. You know, we, we, but that's been worked through. But back then, that was, that was a hot button issue. Another one was, well, if they can, do they have to be circumcised according to the covenant? You know? Well, we don't think about that today, but back then, that was, that was a hot-button issue. And then uh, Paul is, uh, you know, there was this, also this other issue that came up was about Jesus' return. When was he going to return? And what are we supposed to do before he returns? Now, it's very obvious that uh, at that point, people thought that Jesus was going to return before they passed. You know, he said, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. Well, they thought that may be tomorrow. You know, they didn't think 2,000 years like we think about it. So there were a lot of questions that uh, they, had, they had to ask. Let me give you a couple of them. What happens to those who die before Jesus returns? That was a big issue. Another one was, uh, can I quit work? now that Jesus is coming back. You know, they did that. Thessalonians, Paul has to deal with it. It's where we get the passage, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, <laughs> that's where that comes from. They just quit, they quit everything, other than what Paul said, they liked to gossip. They spent their time gossiping. Um, another one that was very important was, should you get married? Now we're getting close to today's reading. Should you get married? Should you stay married was another question. Uh, what if you're engaged? Should you call off the, the engagement? You know, well, we don't think that way today and neither would Paul, but back then that was a very big question. But today really hones in on this question. Should you get married since time is short? Or should you just stay single since time is short? Now this is interesting. Because I, I think I've got to confirm this, but I think it's the only example in Scripture where Paul offers an opinion. Paul wrote a lot, but he always tells you when he was speaking, he was speaking from the Lord. The Lord was speaking to him. I mean, Paul, you know, Paul had a great mission, uh, and God had, the Spirit was on him mightily, and God spoke to him, God assumed him into heaven, all these kinds of things. Um, but Paul says, now, this isn't from the Lord, this is just my opinion. 
That's, that's a very interesting thing. But, you know, considering it was Paul giving you their opinion, you'd probably listen to it, wouldn't you? Pope Francis said, well, this is my opinion. Would you listen to it? Well, of course you would. He says, I would recommend you don't get married. That's what I would recommend right now. Unless you can't control your physical passions towards the one that you love. If you can't control those, go ahead and get married. That's what he said. There's a, there's a verse in here that's the chapter just before what we were reading today that really speaks to this. It said, Paul says it's better to marry than it is to burn. You ever heard that verse? See, Paul had a high view of marriage. Paul had a, uh, a high view of physical passion and where that it fits into the picture of life. Uh, you know, for him, it's, it's an inconceivable that anybody would become so loose with physical passion that they would participate in that outside of the context of marriage. That just, that was just wasn't any way. Why? Because it's not good for us and it's displeasing to God. Now let me tell you one thing I've learned about God. If God says to do something, I'm going to do it. I may not understand it, but I'm going to do it because I trust him. I know he has my best interest at heart. If God says not to do something, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I know he loves me, and I trust him, and he has my best interest in heart. And if you look in the scriptures, I mean, beginning from the first one, even when it talks about man and woman leaving, becoming one flesh, there you find the principles or the foundations, you might call it, for the fact that physical passion is only to be experienced in the context of marriage. Now, why is that? Why didn't God say, well, just do what you want to do? Well, that's a good question. Why is that? Physical passion, you only experience that with one person. It's unique. No, none other than one person. And it's, it's what you may think of it is, it's like a glue. It's a bonding agent, super, super marriage glue is what I call it. And it's only reserved for a man and a woman in a marriage relationship. Nowhere else. It's not allowable, it's not permissible, is it? Boy, that's pretty good counsel, isn't it? You know, but yet as I think about that, I think that society has become so lax in their attitude, casual, you might call it, in matters about expression of physical passion outside the bonds of marriage. As a matter of fact, some people consider it to be the norm why isn't that good for you? Paul says, that's not the way it goes. Why is it not good for you? Now, some of you, well, there's a few in here that are old enough. Do you ever remember when you called, well, I'm going courting. Courting is what they called it. Some people called it sparking. 
What'd you do when you were dating somebody? Well, you always had a chaperone. You never did it on your own. What was the priority when you're sparking? It's to get to know each other. Do you know what? For a marriage to last a lifetime, you better get to know this person. You better get to know what they're like, what they dislike, because you're going to live with it for the rest of your life. But here's what we've done is we've turned it around today. I think this has, to, has a lot to do with the high incidence of divorce. We don't get to know each other. We go to the glue right off the bat. Paul says that's not how it works, folks. He said get to know each other as individuals because that's what you're going to love. These other things will pass away. And then when you get married, then you what do you do? Bond it. It's called consummation. You've heard of that? That's a big Catholic word. We consummate the marriage to become one flesh. That's powerful. Remember that. That's the, we, don't, we don't follow cultural ideas today when it comes to physical passion because it's messed up. It's mixed up. It gets us in a bad place, particularly about 30 years down into the marriage. Well, Paul would go on to say this, though. He said that if you can control your passion, your physical passion, remain single. Why did he do that? Because Jesus was coming soon. That was the thought. And here's, here's why he's thinking. Well, you know what? If you're having to deal with marriage and Jesus' return at the same time, you may not be able to handle it. It may be too much for you. It may be overwhelming. It may make you anxious. You know that word's used in this passage several times? Paul said, I don't want you to be anxious. Paul knew what was coming. Some of it had already happened by the time he wrote this letter. There was tremendous persecution of Christians by the Jews. Tremendous. And about 10 years after this letter was written, Paul knew it. I mean, God showed him so many things, revealed so many things. A guy named Nero, have you ever heard of him? He burns down three-fourths of Rome, and he blames it on the Christians. And he says, we're going to persecute the Christians. And the things that they did to Christians is unimaginable. Paul said, do you want to do that? Do you want to be married and, and also go through that at the same time? Well, that's a pretty good question. You want to have all that on your plate? What's that got to do with today? It's got a lot to do with today. Because we're anxious. We're an anxious people. You know what anxious means, the root word of anxious? It means this, choke. I'm choking you. Oh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. 
That's what it means to be anxious. I'm being choked to death is what I'm doing. You ever feel that way in society today? Man, I'm being choked to death. I got so much to do. I got so much on my plate. I can't breathe. I've got family issues. I've got marriage issues. I've got job issues, career issues, church issues. And on top of that, politics, environment, and wars, and a myriad of other things. Do you ever feel that somebody's got you like that? Positive, I don't want you to be like that. You don't have to be like that. Well, what am I supposed to do? I guess it's a good question, isn't it? Well, here's some things that our culture does today. You sleep less. <laughs> That's what you do. I hear people all the time saying, I'm wake up every night. This time, this time, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Do you ever do that? I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. Another one is, well, I don't have enough hours in the day, so I'm going to cut back on my sleeping. Well, I got so much to do. I got so much to worry about. Another thing that we do when we think about being anxious is addictions. Alcohol, drugs, abuse. It's at an all-time high right now. Did you know that? Why is that? What's that got to do with stress and anxiety? Well, we're trying to numb ourselves, aren't we? What are we doing? I'm stressed out. I'm feeling choked. I need a drink. I need a pill. And it relaxes us for a while. It numbs us. But then the next day, we've got to do it again, don't we? And we've got to do more. You're not just the same. Another one is to eat comfort food. You ever heard of comfort food? Oh, it's a big deal on uh, marketing now. They even talk about comfort food. Well, what does comfort food do? Makes you comfortable. Sort of bury your head in the sand with your problems. Let me give you an interesting statistic. Over the past 30 years, the average weight of an American man has grown from 180 to 200 pounds. That's average weight. The average weight of an American woman has gone from 142 to 171 pounds. That's 29 pounds in 30 years. We need that comfort food, don't we? We also need that fast food, don't we? Oh, them fries taste good. Just don't look at how many calories are in them. Well, that's one thing we do. Another one is high energy drinks. Now, I don't know if you, none of you in here use that. So I'm just going to inform you about it. I know there's a big problem with this. There are societies trying to keep themselves pumped up. Because every time, I walk Toby three miles a day. Every day, I see Red Bull cans thrown on the sidewalk. I see five-hour energy bottles thrown on the sidewalk. Well, that's another way of dealing with it. Do you know this? In the year 2022 alone, this is American consumption. America is the highest consumer of high energy drinks. American consumption of high energy drinks went from 
25 million, no, 25 billion gallons to 29 billion gallons. In one year, we drink, we drink, we're drinking 4 billion more gallons to keep ourselves going. Any kind of stimulant we can get to keep us going, sort of puff us up. You ever seen a, you ever seen something deflate? I, I, I think about the old Peter Sellers, Pink Panther. But you remember when he, he always liked to dress up? And uh, one time he was dressed up as a sailor. He had a peg leg, and he had this bird on his shoulder. Anybody seen that? It's hilarious. You know, he was trying to do that. But the bird kept deflating. You know, and what he would do, he'd sit there, he's talking, you know, getting the information. He'd be sitting there pumping it. And he'd go, and he'd go, that's the way we do it today. Isn't it? We're so wore out. Why do we do that to ourselves? Have you ever asked yourself how you get off the hamster wheel? Have you ever asked yourself how do you get out of this rat race that we live in today. But Paul gives you two suggestions. Now you may not like these. You may not want to do them. But I, I will guarantee you this. If you do them, you'll find peace. He says two things. First of all, make your relationship with God your number one priority. One. And the second is this, cut back on everything else. Oh, but this is good. It's, it's not a matter of what's good, it's a matter of what's best. It's not a matter of what's bad versus what's best. It's a matter of what's, you know, of what's best. You have to cut back. You cannot worry about the world. You can't. You can't worry and try to do everything that it is. But here's the sad part about it that I see. Here's what really concerns me. Paul is, he hits the nail on his head. He says, if you want to live a life free of anxiety, devote yourself to your relationship to God. That's why he says. But isn't it amazing that one of the first things to go when we're looking for more time is our relationship with God? You think that's why maybe churches are emptying out today? You think maybe that's why, you know, all, we, we buy into all these ideals of culture today that are counterintuitive to the gospel? I think it is. And it seems like that seems to be one of the first to be squeezed out. And yet it's the most important. So let me ask you this morning. How important is your relationship to God? Is it your number one priority? I'm really, I'm really impressed. You know, we got a bunch of guys over here. This is Welcome Retreat Weekend. 24 guys that are going through a, a weekend who are evaluating their priorities. I got high expectations for you. I bet that many of you, when you leave here, your priorities are going to have a, an adjustment. I know that because I've heard you talk about it already. And then I'm excited, too, because next month, 24 women are going to do this. Isn't that great? 
God bless you.